Peace. Welcome. You made it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I was trying off the computer. I didn't realize it doesn't doesn't do it off the computer. I, I've never tried that to be honest, but now I know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I have like How's I have it? headphones, so usually I do podcasts with the headphones. Oh, okay. So, so hopefully this sounds okay. Um, hopefully, usually it does. Um, but thank you for thinking about the headphones. Um, so yeah. first of all, I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to do this one-hour one-hour podcast that we're doing that right now. Um, you're a big inspiration for me, so it's always like great to see one your inspirations talking to you. You know, actually meet, virtually meeting the people. So um, for my people who are watching this right now, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself because your story is insane, and everybody will understand why I'm inspired by you. So Ben, who are you? So, yeah, really simply, you know, on Instagram, I'm the knees over toes guy. Yeah. Obviously, that's not who I am as a person, but yeah, it became my it became my passion. It became my life's purpose is to help in this situation of knees. You know, mm. I grew up I grew up so obsessed with basketball, so obsessed with Michael Jordan, always mm. dreamed of dunking. You don't think growing up you're going to wind up on operating tables getting cut up and it's really freaky when that is what your life becomes and even after surgery all kinds of problems and having to give up the dream of dunking and stuff like that so mm. when i heard the words the most protected athlete is the one whose knee goes farthest and strongest over his toes which went against all the pt i had been doing um mm -hmm. i knew that's what i had been missing so i was 20 years old basketball was long gone for me And I decided then I was gonna I was gonna get it back, and so I kept going with this journey to now. I'm 29 years old, and so for the last nine years, I've pretty much dedicated my life to to knees over toes training. It did well enough for me to get college scholarship, play pro basketball, um, and, and honestly, now I'm better, faster, jump higher, you know, no aches and pains than I ever was from going completely against the traditional system and. To be honest, I'm not quite as much of a, a rebel as it seems, but it's really just you have traditional system. Mm -hmm. Then you have studies that have been done proving that's wrong, but the actual exercise science isn't there yet to deliver solutions to the new evidence that's here. So, you know, so I was willing to go out and make things. And there's a lot of other great trainers like that who are willing to go out a little bit ahead of, of things because there is new evidence and make solutions for it. So that's what I do full time. You know, my wife still laughs about it. Knees over toes guy. It's of course it's not who I am, but, <laughs> but for me, I had to think like, what would mean more to me professionally than anything in the world would just be mm. overcoming some of these myths. And it's like, if I, if I could get what I know into other people, it would do so much good. And, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So since I started doing that, I'm over now, as of yesterday, I'm over 1,300 knee success stories. So I'm just totally knee okay success stories, just with knees, just with knees. So that's incredible. I'm totally okay with just being that guy. I believe mm. that I, I don't believe in, in just going for total world domination on everything. I'm okay with just being the knee guy and being the best I can be at that and letting yeah. others be great at other things. And that kind of community works much better. I mean, I, I, yeah. I love, I, I was, I've been really excited to get on this talk with you because yours is going to 
we're going to be able to talk about things a lot deeper than just training. So, yeah, that's, that's true. That's true. Like everybody who knows me um, knows that I'm big into mindset, into, into knowledge in general and particular about diet and health and the approach that you have where you combine uh, two aspects of health or let's say training or movement, which sound so contradictory to me or sounded because I grew up playing uh, football, like, uh, you know, the real soccer, football, yeah. football, soccer. Yeah. 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 Um, football. And, and um, like, I have, I have had, like, I have had the worst hip issues, right? It was not never the knees. I never had injuries or something, maybe like uh, sprained ankles or something, but I was always good. But my hips are from, from like, I'm, I'm born with very tight hips because my feet go inwards. And then playing soccer does not really help much. And I was like always in the gym, you know, trying to bulk up, being stronger, et cetera, et cetera, totally neglecting stretching and stuff because I thought yep. stretching makes you weaker. That's what we get taught, right? We never yep. did stretches in, 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 in football except warm up. And that was like, yep. you know, not real stretches. And then I saw yep. your pages uh, after practicing yoga uh, for, for quite a while, but that was like not enough. Like they missed the, I missed the link between strength training. Strength, flexibility. Exactly. And that builds life. The perfect thing is to balance. And so the studies are really clear that that when you start getting the strength and the flexibility at the same time, you can actually lengthen areas for real. And it's just like far superior results to only powerlifting yoga. They're both Mm. half right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. That's 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 where you um, that's why I support you guys so much. It's because that I see how you practice the balance. And you seek the balance the same way with nutrition, right? You see me being plant-based, doing the fasting, et cetera, et cetera. But simply because I am saying that this is right doesn't mean that it's the right approach for everyone. That's first. And, and second is that everybody needs to find their own balance. And that's what your program does, does with all these levels. You give your solutions and then you have level one, level two, level three, level four, and le- maybe level five um, in certain programs. And that's how you individualize a very general program or a general statement, which is flexibility plus strength, right? And that's why I love yeah. your overall concept of how you build ATG, because you're all about balance. You're trying to find balance for your clients. And that's number one. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to give my client the truth, no matter where it comes from, uh, you know, with no ego involved, mm. not trying to justify what I said yesterday, just in the moment, trying to give them the actual truth that's out there. And oftentimes that's why I called it athletic truth group, because it's very unlikely that one individual is going to master everything to do with anything. And True. if he's willing to have True. an open mind, you know, he, you can collect then. And so once I, with the knees, I started realizing, you know, a certain way of looking at things and how to recognize if something is true and the results that come with that. And so we mm-hmm. just try to apply that to all things how to cardio, how to get stronger, how to do your upper body, how to do your lower body, you know, like all these things. So it's, it's very fun being in a business where I'm not tied down by something I said in the past that I get to, Mm -hmm. you know, wake up each morning and and try to actually do what's best. I I got, I got a funny one for you though, because I I thought of you when I said this, I'm going to paraphrase a rant to my wife. Like yesterday (laughs) I was telling her. So, and I don't want to get too political. I'm just going to state a fact here, right? Mm-hmm. We just drove across the country, saw a lot of different things, a lot of different places. We noticed one day there was this um, this police station, 
and they had the most incredible gardens out front that you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Flowers and different arrangements and stuff. And it was kind of like, to me, it was like, I think that's a little bit excessive, you know, with taxpayer money to be doing all these mm-hmm. designs, right? But then, but then a little time goes by. And then yesterday I was thinking about it. And I'm like, we put so much money into parks and public architecture and stuff. Why don't we plant a fucking apple tree? Like, think about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why that's, don't we plant like, like, wait a second. We have poverty and people going hungry and yeah. million dollar rose gardens from our city. Like plant a fucking orange. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's that true. Interesting way. Of, I was just like, it hit me yesterday. I'm like, what the hell are we doing with our politics that we're ignoring this really grassroots thing? That we true. could just be planting food. True, I true, mean, true. It's, it's, that it's, that it's needs over toes, man. It's, it's too exactly, simple. It's too, exactly. It hurts. It hurts <laughs> so bad. It hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, it's like um, the, evidence, the evidence is there that planting orange trees is, um, you know, is beneficial for all people. But science and politics need to catch up the same way people needed to catch up that knees over toes is beneficial. Yeah, right. go to every major city, these elaborate gardens that we have to yeah. pay workers for, meaning it's all there. The land is yeah. there, the yeah, garden sure. is there, the soil is there, but, and then there's homeless people outside the gate. Like, wait, yeah. what the How? fuck is happening How? right now? Just, exactly. You know, oh my God. Uh, yeah, 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 I hear you, I hear you so much. That's, would would uh, that not be the coolest city to live in if there was parks everywhere with free fruits and vegetables? Would that yeah. not be the coolest city? You would probably set the tone for cities around the world. Your city would catch on fire. There, I mean, if, if already you took food out of the equation, now you have time on your hands to think about getting a job or making a business or mm. whatever, not to mention you could pay them to, to, to grow the plant. Anyways, it, it just seems so simple to me because you wouldn't have to change anything. It's already there. The, the, sure. the fields are there. The workers are there. The trees are there. But then they're just putting in architectural things that, honestly, when you go there, barely anyone even bothers to pass by, honestly. True. And it's, then, it's, and then I'm it seeing, is true. And then I'm just seeing tents and tents and tents of homeless people. And honestly, those homeless people then are eating really junk food because that's mm. what's available. It's really shit processed food. So that's oh, true. Man, it, it, it hurts so bad when I realized that yesterday because it was just like, why are we not planting a fucking apple tree? <laughs> <laughs> you know when um um i i know i know you guys actually from from lens right um that's that's where i met first on instagram and you know you know him you know his his ideas and we talk about this stuff all the time and it's so simple even health is so simple just just you know think a bit a little bit return to nature and return to how it's supposed to be the same way how we're supposed to move our bodies you know act in society and the solution is already there. The only thing we have to do is, um, uh, is to abolish the limitations that we have, right? Yep. That's, that's all it takes. Look Sunlight. at the studies. They're Soul going, food. Yeah, well, there we they're go. Investing there we millions go. Of dollars. <laughs> they're investing millions to figure out that it works to go outside, that it works to exercise. I mean, you, I'll see studies done and see the investments made, tens of millions to find out that Same. exercise boosts your mood. Yeah. That, that eating naturally improve you know like yes yeah, insane it's that's insane I, I may have ruined our whole podcast today i'm uh, sorry no, I, just, don't, I don't know if i don't. can get over 
I don't know if I can get over the fucking <laughs> apple. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's actually like, um, like in particular it, with, with the work that I do, I'm not, I'm not supporting any kind of supplement. I'm not trying to sell people any kind of product, which they, you know, which you can buy with all these health claims, etc. All I say is just remove this curtain, which, you know, our, our society has put up uh, in front of us and then return to the easiest solution, which is return to your veggies, return to your fruit, return to your, like not even veggies and fruit. Let's just say unprocessed food, right? And practice some, you could start practice there. some mindfulness. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that simple. Right, but it, but again, it's rigged against us because this against, fucking yeah. organic apple costs way more than processed food. I'm starting to see questions come in, so let's take up some of these questions as well. But I saw my guy Hamilton on here who has major following. All right, Hamilton, give, if you're on here right now, give me like a thumbs up or something. Uh, you mean Hamilton, Hamilton Zero and Junior, yeah. Hamilton Junior. Yeah, and I mean. It's just how much sense does it make that you have homeless people on one side of a fence and yeah. inside that fence is elaborate city gardens and, and, and sculptures and, and all kinds of, of stuff that takes the workers, the land, the soil, and yet we don't bother to just plant an apple tree inside there. Anyways, but I saw some questions, how to jump higher. Let me try to, I'm going to give you guys my, my breakdown of how to jump higher, okay? Mm -hmm. Is that cool? Mm -hmm. Yeah, go, go right. for it. All right. I don't know what the format is today, so sorry if I, I hijacked <laughs> nah, the apple. Just thing. go, just go for it, just go for it. I mean, you're my guest, right. and uh, we want to right. we want to hear your your insights. All right, good. So, so let's let's build the jumping from. Hey, Mister Infinity, there he is. Are you listening right now, Mister Infinity? I gotta say this one more time. I thought of this yesterday. How much <laughs> sense does it make? Every city I've been through driving across the country has these elaborate city gardens that cost million and i looked up some of them some of them cost up to 50 million dollars to create and then they have gates around them they're not even open at certain hours and outside of those walls is homeless people inside they have the soil the seeds the people Everything. working on them, and they don't bother food could be free if you think about it every yeah. city in america could make fruits and vegetables completely easily free. Easily, easily. Completely land is there. Without land spending is there. dimes, because they're already it's spending yeah. five billion dimes. So just you, it, it could also start with transitioning your 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 lawns and front yards from green, you know, grass to just a little garden. And you could, you know, how much how much produce you can get out of like a little a little place. It's incredible. All it takes is one mayor, one mayor of one town. Yeah. Maybe my next challenge, I'll become the mayor of a town of like 10,000 people. I could do that. That would be amazing. There. That would be amazing. I, I never got a B in high school. I can pass their stupid tests. Yeah. <laughs> and I can become a mayor and take the city gardens that we're already putting all the workers into and, and just plant just plant food. My, my town would have no hunger. That would and be amazing. And my town would be healthy and, and medical spending would go like this because people would be eating this. Medical spending would, would, would I mean, it would solve just, so many Just plummet. Problems. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You have I to mean, imagine. You have to imagine. You have to imagine that um, worldwide, 18 million people die from heart, cardiovascular disease, 9 million from cancer, right? And just these two alone are highly linked to your lifestyle, to the environment. Let's say you can reduce or you can prevent these diseases by a very, very good amount, which is like 90%, right? All of a sudden, you have 
uh, 2.7 million people left who suffer from cancer or die from cancer and heart disease, which is still very high, but significantly lower just by changing their lifestyle, such as implementing healthy, healthy and organic food around us, because the processed food is actually which, har uh, which harms us more than this whole keto, vegan, paleo, uh, you know, uh, uh, discussion and debate. Because there are yeah. more, more than, there, there's more than one solution for a person, for each individual. But it always starts with returning to nature. That's number one. 100%. Here's the problem, though. And there's, the, there's a catch-22 of life. And if you look through history, you're going to see this. The problem we run up against is that the people usually who are the most caring and smart people, they don't want to dominate everything. So yeah. they end up with too much of a passive personality. And yeah, then the dude who's willing to take charge, who really doesn't deserve to be taking charge, ends up being the one in charge. So we have an inverse relationship where the ones deserving to take charge really yeah. don't want to have to take charge. I didn't even want to be on social media. I didn't, you know what I mean? I Same. Was, <laughs> you can <laughs> ask Mr. Infinity. My, my biggest problem was always being too passive, right? Mm. But I have the solutions for knees when there's so much dirty shit going on in that in that world because of how much money is made yeah. on knee surgeries. It, 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 gets $10, really, it gets really nasty. Well, how, how expensive is a uh, knee surgery? Here, here's, in the some, here's some, here's some current stats. Okay. Uh, knee replacements on average range from 30 to $60,000 per knee. And right now it's in the U S alone. It's a $9 billion industry. Last year, there was over 700,000 knee replacements yet. A study was done and found that one in three were incorrectly given knee replacement surgery. And they yeah. theorized it's because it's so profitable for the doctors and the hospitals. Those knee replacement surgeries are so profitable. Yet one in so, and then think about this one in a hundred people died within six months of that surgery due to complications. So if you actually do the math, those doctors that we're paying to keep us healthy are killing thousands of people. That's a stat, that's not my opinion, it's a fact that knee doctors are actually killing many thousands of Americans each year by incorrectly having them get surgery when the conditions do not actually warrant it. Mm. So let's dive in. I got a really good idea. Someone told, someone just asked how to get rid of jumper's knee. Ready? Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to teach you how to get rid of almost any, so any kind of overuse injury, jumper's knee, uh, baseball players, 57% of throwers have shoulder surgery. I'm going to teach you how to get rid of any overuse injury. Take a video of it. Watch it in slow motion and now put it on rewind. That's what you have to strengthen. Strengthen the rewind. My knee ability system is basically, I want you to take your jump. Anyone out there with jumper's knee, which is 80% of basketball players, millions of people have jumper's knee, yet 669% more money is spent studying acceleration than it is deceleration. Yeah. Okay? So take your jump. If you have jumper's knee, Take your jump film, watch that in slow motion, your strength training system. So good move, Trey. You have jumper's knee. Take a video of your jump. Put it in slow motion. Watch it backwards. That's what your strength training should look like. That's mm -hmm. what the ability is. And mm -hmm. yes, Blade, the Slayer, I do have a shoulder program. Guess what it looks like? It looks like strengthening this and this and that and measurably getting stronger in the reverse of how mm -hmm. you throw. And it's that simple to prevent the shoulder pain and shoulder surgery same with your knees put it but put is, it, is that is that the way is that the way how you how you came up with knees over toes because like i i saw and and remember that you talk a lot about pollock 
and that he's being. He was one the of guy your- who said, "The farther and stronger your knees can yeah. go over your toes, the more protected you are." So my journey has been figuring out, well, how do I get to those things? Because my knees fucking hurt, so I can't do what he's saying to do. You see what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? So, yeah, so my yeah. job was figuring out how does anyone get there. That's genius. That's genius. Not gonna lie, like that's that's like that's some Kobe Bryant shit. I'm telling you, <laughs> like outsizing everything, uh, watching everything, and then you know reverse looking at it from the reverse, like a master chess player. Reverse you know, master chess players. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the word. Reverse engineering. Yo, that's that's amazing, man. Like I, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you how grateful I am for jo- joining your uh, your program for I, I think it was like nine months or something. Because my knees, I, I came in here to, to, um, to, to uh, fix my hips primarily. I ended up with so much more strength in my overall body. And just to be honest, just the L-sit alone, just showing me the L-sit, the Nordic, and the uh, seated good morning, these three exercises were good enough for me to, to transform where I needed the most transformation. And you're just putting, putting some exercises on spotlight, which help everyone. And with everyone, I mean everyone from the mom to the athlete everyone can benefit from your system and that's i mean if if a program can do that it's almost perfect and why does it do it do it because it's balanced right i appreciate that yeah and, and i you know i look at things and i'm fortunate in a lot of ways i was fortunate to have such shitty knees i was fortunate to have the goal of being able to dunk and then if you know what it's like to not be able to dunk and then get that ability that shit still feels yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just, it just, so for me, and, and for other people, it's different things. For my dad, it was being able to hike. My dad's in his 60s, and he can go hiking now. My mom mm-hmm. likes to be able to run. She's 66, and she just recently ran a half marathon. And I'm waiting there at the finish line. Like, I hope she is alive when she gets, you know what I mean? <laughs> and she got there, and she was like, she was like, I'm not even, she's like, that was easy. So the joy in life that comes from the things that we can naturally experience, right? And for a lot of that's, that's different sports or physical things. It's so much more than things you can buy. And, and I'm not mm. trying to knock whatever it is that you like to buy. I think everyone's gonna have different things, but I just think that's not the peak of enjoyment. You know what I mean? And so for me, the feeling of being able to dunk now is so much better than anything I could buy. So I still try to wake up each morning with that in mind. Like I, I wanna help people experience that. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it's for anyone who's starting a business, put purpose over profits, you still, your business has to succeed so you can run it. But if the goal, if the senior goal is the purpose of it, and the secondary goal is the profit, what's funny is you actually have a better chance of making more money. So and even like a like a really bad example would be McDonald's, right? That'd be a really bad example. But in the beginning, they were just trying to provide a fast food that someone could get and an affordable food that someone could get, you know, there's, there's all kinds of reasons what's come to now. But the point is, they, they had, you know, that was the goal and, and people wanted that for a certain reason. So with any business, if you're, if you're out there trying to start your own business, I mean, find something that you're really passionate about that you have a purpose behind before you start worrying about the money. The mistake is to sure. do it the other way around, not to mention you're going to burn out. How do I wake up with so much enthusiasm at my job is because I'm doing what I want to do. So it's very tough if you get into something for the money and it can be hard to make enough money because you're not working hard enough. So um, that, that was business. I still didn't answer though. Someone just said how to jump higher, right? So I yeah, mentioned exactly. that to, to 
to not have pain jumping, you need to be strong in reverse of what that looks like. But in terms of the jumping itself, we'll do like a little, um, I'll, I'm just going to stand here. So here's my little jumping demonstration. So if my body, so number one is strength. Number one is yeah. strength, meaning, meaning if our body, if we had no strength in our body, we wouldn't even be able to animate ourselves to jump, right? Yeah. So yeah. obviously, yeah. so obviously getting strong, like strength is neat. Like that, if you have no strength, you can't jump, you can't run, True. you can't True. animate bones, right? But it really helps to do this reverse engineering rather than thinking about the complicated stuff. Start. So that's number one, right? But now number two is flexibility to some degree. You could be the strongest man in the universe, but if you can't even, you'd still be the slowest guy on the track if you physically had no flexibility, right? Mm. So, so strength is the pillar. Flexibility is number two. Now number three, though, is how that's balanced, meaning – you could be the strongest in the world, the most flexible in the world, but what about your leg? What about your feet? What about your ankle? So the numbers of that strength need to come measurably from the ground up if you want to jump high. Okay? Makes so, sense. Right. So a lot of people are just going, in, oh, I need to get stronger to jump higher, but they're not thinking about the range of motion. Mm -hmm. And when you actually watch these top dunkers in the air, whether they stretch or not, look at their body. These guys are, have a lot of range of motion. It's incredible. Watch Kobe Bryant in the air, and his, you know, his foot is back there. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So if you can build that strength through range of motion, now you're guaranteeing, if it's coming from the ground up, you're guaranteeing yourself to run faster and jump higher. Haven't seen any outliers. It's almost impossible to fail when you do that. And then when we keep progressing from there, then comes in things like the technique of the jump, meaning – you, you know, there's still going to be optimal uh, mechanics in terms mm -hmm. of the jump itself. So get a get, you know, study your jumps yourself, compare wh what are you doing? You want to jump from the foul line like Michael Jordan? Well, watch him jump. You know, what are you doing that's different? If you can't figure it out, find someone who has done that. So that's why even for me with my business, I don't I don't do the jump coaching. My job is the knees. And then many of you guys may know at basket Barth on Instagram, exactly. he does the jump coaching because he studies. There's still the art of the jump itself. But mm. you can see if you, if you really base things on getting strong from the ground up. And if you can make sure that your strength is gained to range of motion, I mean, it, it's just so easy to get more athletic, but to, to pull Makes all sense. that together, there's still what you were kind of mentioning there, which is that you have to be training on a gradient scale. So, mm -hmm. You could do everything I said, and you could be doing it all right, but you could be training way too far out of sequence, mm -hmm. or you could not be challenging yourself enough. So you have to find a level where you go, okay, I can do this without pain, with perfect form. This is what I can do, and that's a tough one for men. It's very tough for men. Yeah. I find that 90% of men, if they don't have their form coached, will cheat in the effort to do more in a way that'll actually ruin their progress. And for women, it's almost the opposite. And they're 90% likely to use amazing form, but actually for female athletes, not 90% of the time, they then don't actually push themselves enough in mm. terms of the loading, in terms of the intention. So it's, uh, you know, 
women tend to be easy to coach the form, but you got to encourage them to keep putting a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more intention in the jumps. Whereas men, if you can get a man to actually regress to where he's Mm -hmm. actually at, speed and jumping is a breeze. Someone said, does lifting upper body as much as your lifting legs affect your jumping? Absolutely. Your upper body is only about 15% of the power for jumping. So mm. in my program, I have a full body program. And fifth, guess what 15% of the volume is? If you, if you dive in there upper body, and you yeah. add up every second of time under tension of the program, mm-hmm. 15% of that is upper body. This creates a sensible approach. But if you think that two days upper, two days legs in perfect 50-50 ratio is going to be most optimal to jump high, you're just wrong. And you can look back through history at long jump, triple jump, high jump, and you can see what the best are doing. And they're built very proportionally. They're not out of balance. And a lot of athletes have been screwed up. There was a French guy who looked to really break barriers in speed, Christophe Lemaitre. And at, like, at a very young age, he broke 10 seconds in 100 meters. And then I remember seeing right around that time, he got this strength coach and was doing lat pull-downs, partial range, mm. bench press, partial range. And I said, and all the articles were saying he could be faster than Bolt. And this was like five years ago. I said, not only is he not going to be faster than Bolt, he's going to get slower. And that's exactly what he's done. He's gotten slower. Totally fucked up his career. His strength coach fucked his career. He could have gone down as one of the fastest people ever. But he's not training according to physics. He's not training. He's doing this 50-50 split up or lower and and ruining his career. Not to mention, he's – is he doing strength? Yes. Is he doing it through range? No. He's stiffening mm. up. And then is he doing it according to gravity? No. So two out of three, and that guy passes as an Olympic strength coach. That's how bad the system is. That's true. That's true. But that's why, that's why we need um, pioneers, right? People who question the system, people who, who are not satisfied with the solution that, that you know, the system presents us so we can you know, rise up as people and, and improve our lives. Right. Same thing. Same, like I, I pretty much we have the same, uh, let's say, initiation through our programs because we questioned the current status quo and took it, looked at the evidence, looked at nature, made our own observations and then yep. figured out our own plan. Truth is yeah. self-evident. It might not yet be in a book. And so if you're only right. taking what people are saying, I mean, less than 100 years ago, we had the Holocaust. I mean, yeah, there's some atrocious areas of the world. And we think that we've got everything figured out just because we have iPhones. Not everything has been figured out yet, but the education system is so scared of what it doesn't know that it will make us think it has everything figured out and it just doesn't. So someone had a question in there about a a, a football guy, Big Hilla on Instagram and said, what about him in relation to jumping? Mm -hmm. Well, first off, he's in his 30s and I got him dunking again, which he hasn't done since he was 18 years old. So, but with him, does he do more upper body? Yes, he does do more upper body because he's in football where the goal is now balanced. He's a linebacker. So the the goal Mm -hmm. is balanced between how can I run fast and jump high and still hit into someone. But even for him, it's still not that much more than it would be for someone else. Um, It's just enough more that he can still maximize speed and still hit the crap out of somebody. So that, that was a good question. You know, yes, the, the 85-15% rule I gave, 85% lower core, 15% upper, that's going to relate to maximal speed and jumping. And then based on the contact of your sport, you would balance that. 
Mm. That's that's real. That's real. Um, I was like, um, I haven't told you that, but uh, when I was playing soccer, I also did uh, athletics. So a particular decathlon. That's I don't know if that's oh, the English yeah, yeah. word for it. If right, I'm in so a different life, in, I would be a decathlete, right? Because that's the I'm pretty sure that's that's why I think when I see jumping, you. endurance. Yeah, it's kind of a basketball body type, to be honest, right? True. Like, we wouldn't True. win the hundred. We wouldn't win the high jump, but we wouldn't win the mile. But we would do pretty good at all then. That's true. That's true. You know what's ironic with my with my athletics career is that uh, I always loved long jump where I excelled, but high jump was horrible. <laughs> right. But um. Okay. Let's it, let's it, go through some it's questions. It's very. It's very. So, like long jump, you're more pulling the ground. You you yeah. were saying you did better in long jump but not high jump. Yeah. So yeah. Long jump, you're more pulling the ground with your hamstrings and with your calves. High jump, then boom, your your heel hits the floor, and so yeah. high jump becomes a lot more tibialis and 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 front of the knee to go up. So for basketball, we have to kind of be good at both qualities because to get, get to get dunks in games, we have to be coming in from angles and jump from distances and stuff. So really, what what you would have wanted done is to get uh to get your quads and your hamstrings both really strong, and then to mm. get not just your calf but also your tibialis, the front of the shin, really strong. That would help. Someone said, should I do more upper or lower as basketball and baseball player, multi-sport athlete? Well, that's where, you know, you're going to get what you put your energy on. So if you're putting your energy on both basketball and baseball, you're going to be better at both basketball and baseball than someone who does one or, you know, you're going to be better at baseball than a basketball player. You're going to be better at basketball than a baseball player. But you, you may have to branch out at some point. It doesn't mean you can't be great at both. But just according to the physics, if you look at a baseball body to hit that ball, they do then need more upper body power for sure. Not that it's not mm. coming a lot from the legs and, and the core and the back, but baseball is a different sport. So, you know, maybe when in doubt, maybe you would go 66, you know, lower core, 33 upper, and then you would just be a slightly more jacked basketball player. Um, let me let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Um, you know, when we when I see you working out all the time. Right, you're a very active guy. Uh, you 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 train athletes to work out multiple times a day, and from a let's say a physiological perspective, that's inflammation, right? And chronic inflammation is an issue amongst athletes because, like, if you put stress on your body continuously multiple times a day, you need to combat that or cool your body down with either anti-inflammatory foods, certain regimes, you know. Uh, athletes have these compression, um, what's, it, what's it called? Like these compression bags, ice baths, etc. So how does, how does knees over toes training combat and, like, this inflammation? Because that's something that I really wanted to ask you in the first place. Just remember. Great question. So my strength training system builds from the ground up. It builds according mm -hmm. to gravity to protect me, right? So mm -hmm. I want to give you an analogy. Let's say for someone that doing squats causes the inflammation, right? Uh, let's, say, let's say they knew that a workout of squats and running, okay, let's say squats and running was their workout and that's what yeah. causes them inflammation, those two activities. Yeah. Now imagine doing those underwater. No mm -hmm. inflammation at all, it's super easy. That's what my strength training system does. Yeah. It makes the task itself cause less inflammation. My job is on making it according to the way our bodies were designed because when you mm. go into a weight room we immediately start getting built out of the way our body was designed 
we start mm. becoming this pop heavy machine it doesn't mean you can't have a jacked upper body but it's got to be proportionate and yeah. so my strength training system is simply designed to make those things cause less inflammation then is there the whole other side of rest nutrition absolutely but i don't use any recovery methods whatsoever i take zero supplements of any kind yeah uh, i don't That's use any foam rollers or any yeah. kind of tools whatsoever on my body and i recover remarkably because to me playing basketball for someone else playing basketball it's a joke for my level of protection so it just doesn't cause as much inflammation it's still a body it's still my body can still break like someone else's but it's just going to take so much more so yeah. we're comparing ourselves, I could go do the same workout or whatever, and I would be able to recover so easily. There's there definitely we go. a lot of there's definitely a lot of questions. Do you yeah. believe in overtraining if there is no pain? Well, if we look at some facts here, we can't live without food. We can't live without sleep. I'm mm -hmm. not saying immediately, but long term, we die without food or sleep. So clearly, there's a limit that if you're if you just tried to keep training all day, you would eventually need rest and food to repair from that. So mm -hmm. I, my philosophy actually is, is not even to try to overtrain. I say do the least you need to make awesome gains. Why mm -hmm. not? Then you just get wicked recovery. Uh, there, there's also a mental side of it. And I find a lot of athletes who work really, really hard, they don't realize they're burnt out mentally. They're not able to give full intention. So I would rather have an athlete who can give full intention into every movement and everything and maybe have them getting more recovery. You mm -hmm. already know in your season that your shithead coach who doesn't understand the science at all of the body is going to mm -hmm. be overtraining you. So, you know, sure as heck in the off season, you know, see what's the least you have to do to make awesome progress and start building from the ground up so that those same tasks, maybe they're hard for your teammates, maybe they're hard for the other team, they're not hard for you, you're going to recover easier. So I don't advise going and trying to overtrain, but I advise training in a way that you would be able to handle a ton. So my training is built so I can go do crazier things and still recover from it. But that doesn't mean my goal is just to endlessly exercise my body. And to be honest, it seems that about 45 minutes in, your hormones are peaked and stuff like that. So my general philosophy is to train to the point that you are peaked in your hormones, that your strength is peaked, but you've put enough on it to cause some adaptation and then, and then recover from there rather than, yeah. rather than killing yourself and then trying to recover. True, true, true. Someone said, what foods causes allergy? And I think you're going to like my diet philosophy because my diet philosophy embraces all diet beliefs. My diet philosophy is an equator diet. Mm -hmm. where you look at the equator. So like, look, I'm a, I'm a pale white guy, right? Clearly my body has evolved farther from the equator. Okay. But I'm living in a place closer to the equator. So you're, yeah. you've got two factors. You have your genetics mm -hmm. and then you have where you're actually living environment. The, and the environment. Right. So this is really cool because you get to start looking into food for yourself. There's no such thing as a perfect diet for everyone because different foods physically can't grow in different places. So exactly. mangoes, mangoes don't grow in Ireland. They yeah. grow more near the equator. But it's not just so easy to say, oh, Ben's white, so he should never eat a mango. Does that mean every white guy should never eat a mango? Well, then what are the demands you're putting in your life, right? But mm -hmm. if I just sit behind the desk all day long, 
don't get any sunlight, don't exercise, and I'm eating nothing but mangoes, I do see a, a higher chance that those sugars and, and starch your carbs might accumulate body fat. So you're, you're juggling those two factors of your genetics. So, so start looking into food. Start looking into, you know, where do different things grow? Start looking into it for yourself. It's That's not true. my job to tell someone if they should be a vegan or not. I think there's a lot mm. of different decisions in that. Uh, I think true. your body will often crave what foods you want. So uh, my wife is pregnant right now. So I'm often like looking for foods that are going to do better with her. She's often craving, she's craving like a really big variety right now. You know what I mean? Mm, and I think that's classic. a smart approach when you're pregnant. All different colors of fruits, all different colors of vegetables. Um, she's craving less meat than normal. When you're pregnant, it's harder to digest because you, you have so much blood that's there trying to help the baby. So now a meat is going to be harder to digest. I noticed for me, I crave meat more in ratio to how much resistance training I'm doing, right? Yeah. So, so cardio style stuff tends to make me crave more coconut water and, and, and yeah. then resistance tends to make me crave more meat. But again, it's not my job to say, uh, you know, what someone's dietary beliefs are, but it, it's sure as heck true that if you're eating things that naturally occur, where your body likely evolved, I, I just see people do really well with that. And let's all be honest, okay? The real culprit, even though they taste good, the real culprit, you know, is the cookie because those only grow on the North Pole. So we can <laughs> both agree that yeah. if we're eating nothing but processed food. So, you know, we have to recognize that. So, of course, there's going to be different dietary beliefs. I use this equator philosophy. Yeah. But I also, I also understand that that the donut is the real culprit. You know what I mean? Meaning, I hear you. I hear you. That's that's stage one. Exactly, exactly. Returning to whole foods, to natural foods, is step number one, right? Before you can debate somebody about being vegan, being you know on the standard American. Okay, the standard American diet is a little different, but like you know what I mean. It's exactly what you said, and like just skipping the step of processing helps you so much. And in general, you know, as a nutritionist, I give this rule where if your product has more than four or five ingredients or it has something that you cannot pronounce or don't even know what it is. <laughs> no, just say no. Right. But that's actually a good approach. That's actually a good approach because using what's in your environment is the best for you. Right. And looking at your genes that will, you know, help you to excel with the foods that you're consuming and will be a complement to your lifestyle. And it's actually true that athletes um, who are performing highly are better on meat right? Especially if you're in a very competitive environment. And even but, that can vary. As we know, Captain Planted, I, I know other guys. That's that do true. Great that's eating. true. It's still going to be, it's still going to be individual. I think you should follow yourself on that. Um, and, and last little thing on that, of course, it would be simple to say, you know, you're going to have to do a little research. I just want people to realize that now, you know, because a lot of people ask, well, how do I know what's, what grows where? Yeah. Well, it would have been easy if we still lived in our natural communities prior to modern civilization because it wouldn't yeah. have been walk outside. Or <laughs> just, or just planted some, some fruits and vegetables in our cities, then we would know what grew around us. Yeah, not to mention, I don't think it matters what natural... At the end of the day, I still think you're going to live a long life if yeah. you eat just natural things, right? Sure. But in terms Agreed. of having a, a shredded six-pack or your peak sports performance, that's when I think the equator diet comes in. But even if you do have your mama's famous spaghetti, right? Yeah. Even if you have that, 
it, it's better not to be guilty and it's better to know what you can do if if you know that anytime you have something you know you shouldn't have that you have to go outside and go do you know uh, a 200 meter backward run in the grass in the sun well now you're kind of going to rebalance that out do i want you to get to where you don't even have the cravings and don't eat anything unnatural yeah i want people to get to that point but it's better to still have a, a backup to earn your way to, to somewhat burn that off. Um, sure. There was a few questions, a few really good questions on, on foot pain and also yeah. for people older who are doing my system. So you're really looking at the, the way my system is built. It's built on creating adaptation. So we're, we're essentially mm -hmm. tearing down areas so they come back stronger, which is one of the reasons why we're only trying to tear down just enough. So, if you go too far, well, now that's going to be even more to recover from. So my thing is like, when in doubt, use really good quality and get extra recovery. And that's why there's a couple of questions here about the feet is that most in my system, you have so much load on your feet in so many of the movements. Uh -huh. And for me, I used to hobble out of bed in the morning prior to this system. Now my feet never hurt no matter what, no matter what crazy things I do. But I used to have chronic foot pain. And my dad did, and I thought I was screwed. I was 19, and I was already like, damn, my feet already hurt so bad. Mm. How am I even going to be walking when I'm 40, 50? But it's only because my strength system wasn't from the ground up. So over a long period of time, having your strength system from the ground up, you're not going to have the foot pains. But in the short term, you're already built out of balance if you've done really any other strength training system. So you're going to have to be yeah. more patient with the recovery. So you're, you're having to catch up for – what was already done so when in doubt extra recovery extra good quality let it recover and then your foot your feet will gradually be catching up to the rest of your body and that makes sense. With aging if you're older it means that yes unfortunately biologically you don't have the recovery time you did when you're 14 so again when in doubt more run doubt really perfect quality and then more recovery true true Man, I love I love that you can back up everything with with facts and evidence or experiences, right? Rather than just yeah, repeating what everybody else says. That's very important. Yeah, success leaves clues. So if you're in a field like me where there's a problem, right? Yeah. You know, if there's a problem like you see on the nutrition side with these just disgusting statistics of how unhealthy people are getting with obesity and heart issues and cancer and all this stuff. We know that something is wrong, but if, if, it's, if it's that messed up, it means they don't have it figured out yet. The American Heart nah. Association statistically does not have it figured out. So that's not the place to go to get the answers. But maybe yeah. there's some clues there that you can take. So I try to find evidence that gives clues. So no matter what field you're in, you can go on PubMed.com or different places where there's mm. databases. And they may have done really stupid studies. Um, and maybe not giving you anything except one little carrot that you can follow and you might go down that path and find some truth to it. So yeah, that's true. Some, someone, someone asked if this style of training could be combined with powerlifting. Well, I would compare that just to saying, could that be combined with basketball? There's mm -hmm. no way that I can say that basketball is the ideal human exercise. We put on these squeaky shoes on a wood floor and then we're like pounding on our body like crazy that's not really natural to do that hour after hour. And it's yeah. also not natural. Powerlifting is about how much you can weight you can move through their specific ranges. So 
you're missing all kinds of areas of your body. You're not getting full range, mm -hmm. but it's a sport in itself and you should do what you love to do. And you should be able to power lift without your knees or your back or your shoulders hurting. And you should be able to succeed in that. So yes, many people have used my measurable numbers to jack up their squat, jack up their deadlift, jack up their bench and not have the pains associated the same way I get to enjoy dunking, but there's no way I can say, yeah, jumping, the number one cause of knee pain and knee surgeries in people under the age of 40, that's the thing that I should go do that's healthiest for my body. But it's what I like to do, so that's what I want to go do. You know what I mean? Work, life is meant for living. So I know a lot of people who love powerlifting, and I think that's awesome, and I think you should do what you love. Maybe keep it in moderation <laughs> if you know it's not right. Even, even in distance runners, okay? Yeah. A distance runner who trains more than five days a week. So on one side, you have people training less than five or less. The other is just the people training more than five days a week, five times more likely to be injured. Mm. Okay, so that, that wow. little bit too far, if I wanted to be the best distance runner in the world, I would run Monday and Thursday like the cops were chasing me. Okay, Monday, mm. Thursday, I would run my balls off. Tuesday, Friday, I would run my balls off backwards. And Wednesday in the weekend, I would, I would recover. I would stretch. And honestly, I'd probably become one of the top, one of the top distance runners in the world. It's, it's such a different way of thinking. But and different, different, different. not working. Yeah, yeah, that's true. In terms of injuries. So Flora and says, again, yeah. oh, my, oh, my God, I need knees over toes, guys, in my life. That's what you need, Flora. That's definitely what you need. I'm telling you, like, I, I've been with you for nine months, only, only nine months. And my body changed the way it's never changed before. I wanted to become injury-free. I wanted to move my body the way I'd never moved. And, you know, I wanted to become stronger. And all of, all of it, check, check of a box, you know? Um, but I just realized we have, like, five or so minutes. So oh, yeah. um, I wanted to give and you I a have, chance. I, because I do have an appointment at that time, so. Oh, okay, okay. Before we go, um, and I want to I wanna release you really soon. I want to give you, like, we bombarded you with questions. Do you have any questions for me? Like, is, it, is there something that, you know, or for us, like, or something? I have a question for you. I have a Let's question go. for you. Let's all go. Because right. I, I follow your posts and stuff, all right? And with, the, with everything that's going on in the world, I'm a white guy, right? Yeah. Now, I've never contributed to these problems, but yeah. I'm a white guy. So yeah. in my situation, I'm like, but everything I do, you know, I think about solutions and stats, yeah. right? Stats and solutions. Yeah. So I want to know from your perspective, what are some solutions? Because at first I'm sitting here going, I want things to be better. What yeah. do I do that's really going to make a difference? You know what I mean? Like, mm. what do I do that's going to actually change things? What's a, because I just like, that's just how my whole life and business is built measurable statistic mm -hmm. that I can see it, do it, and that that should produce a result. Um, so in my opinion, it's like, you know, I'm not from the United States. I see it from a global perspective, but let's talk about the issue in the uh, United States. The first thing that a, a white guy or any, any white person needs to understand is that there are microaggressions and macroaggressions against black people in the United States. That means whether it's uh, mass, mass incarceration, uh, racial profiling by the police, uh, the political system being built up on white supremacy, etc. That's not stage number one. So information, that's what you would say 
reading, knowledge, experience, et cetera, et cetera. So showing the level of empathy from where black people in the United States are coming from. Solution orientation means that you support, first, you support black businesses. So black people have more power, have more economic stability. And that's the stability. first thing I looked at. Yeah, that's the first exactly. thing I thought. Because from my perspective, in no way can you say it's a fair playing field because even look at NBA teams. They're majorly owned by white guys, right? Exactly. Yeah, but when, when pro sports was starting 50, 60 years ago, there wasn't even civil rights hadn't even fully completed yet. So McDonald's, Walmart, almost all the big American companies were built when there wasn't a fair playing field. So yeah. starting now, that was the first thing I thought of. I can support more black businesses. Exactly. Because they, they are off. It's, it's, it's statistically unfair based on how it got started. Exactly, exactly. And, that, and then you have their own destiny. But if you're yeah. black and you want to make a business, statistically, it's, tougher. it's just, it's not a layup. It's an NBA three. You can yeah. still make the shot. You're still in control of your own destiny. But that's why I was thinking there's got to be ways to support more black businesses, you know? That's number one. That's number one. As a white person, that's not one, like one, not only being a performative ally with speaking about things, but also putting in action, putting in your dollars, then... Of course, if they're, um, you know, elections, if they're political debates, etc., always and always support the people. I'm not mandating that you have to do that, but always support the people who are trying to reform or reestablish law where, uh, you know, things like, for example, wheat is the best example. So many black men are in jail, right, for, for wheat crimes. And now wheat is make, made legal and who benefits and profits most of wheat. It's again, white people. So that's like, forms of how white supremacy unfolds in our society. And these are the things where we have to be more conscious about. But, but let me tell you this, um, supporting black businesses is already the biggest step, right? Because once you have economic power, you're able to fight back the ones who are on the top. And that's something that I truly believe in. That's step number one. All right. Here's my last idea, right? Yeah. Based on what you're saying. Cause so, I was saying how it's not fair that most NBA teams are owned by white owners, right? But yeah. if you do a little research into the numbers of salaries, okay? Mm. Black basketball players are winning, hands down. They're yeah, winning. that's true. So black basketball players, there needs to be some organization so that black basketball players can start owning teams, right? That's what I think can be done about it. So I think that long-term, because you know, my thing is like, how do I actually make a difference, right? Yeah. If more of these big businesses were owned by blacks, then I think things would start to shake down because yeah. even once you get into the politics, it already gets too unfair that the politicians are funded by these big billionaires, exactly. right? Exactly. And it's as That's I was saying, if you were, our company was founded in 1920, we'll already know that it was unfair. It was founded by white guys and, and a black business owner of the same caliber couldn't compete so um i think there's got to be something in there because you have these athletes who are getting really successful they have the opportunity now to oh wow okay anyways i think that's got to be pushed on but i do have to head out because it's 11 i have another appointment uh, but all i right, see there's a right, lot more right. questions you. i'll do this i'll do this next week if you want oh, of course i'm down i'm down but next week we do a q a yeah. yeah all right peace man yep Thank you, guys.